The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, guys. My name is Sarah Nicole, and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays. Subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the Birds with Fire on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. Hi, it's Mariana. I'm the co-founder of Summer Fridays and host of the Life with Mariana podcast. I really, really, really felt like I learned so much from Jake Arnold in this episode because I have followed him on Instagram for so long. I am so inspired by his works. I feel like no matter if I'm on Pinterest or Instagram or I'm scrolling through something, I see an image of his and it's like an instant save for me. I love to save interior design inspiration and either just save it for one day in a future home that I hope to get one day or if I can incorporate something into my own current place that I live in right now. And Jake had so many amazing tips for budget-friendly tips for home design, creating spaces that help inspire you and are comforting. And there are so many simple things that you can do to a space, even if it's a rental and you want to do something like paint or curtains where it can really change a space. There's also a platform that he has. It's called The Expert. There are so many of my favorite designers on there and you can actually just go online and book some time with them. And you can find like your favorite people. Like literally there's, if there's somebody that you like to follow, they're probably on the platform and you can book time with them to help them design your place at home and then you can go off to do it by yourself. I think you guys will love this episode from Jake. And if you are an aspiring interior designer, or if you have an interest in this business at all, I think you'll learn a little bit from him, a little bit more behind the scenes of what it actually takes to be a designer. And I'll just do a really quick life update with you guys. So by the time I'm recording this, I haven't gone there yet. So I will have to update you guys the following week of how it actually was. But I'm going back to speak at Harvard again. And I am so excited. I like, can't believe that this is even really happening. So I took a class at Harvard Business School a few summers ago. It would have been probably in like the summer of 2017 that I took a class there. And it's not like I went to Harvard Business School. You can just take like these executive education classes. You can apply online. And I took a marketing class there in 2017. So this would have been a year after we started working on Summer Fridays, but a year before we launched. And in this time, I was an influencer. That was my full-time job. And I was going there and I felt really intimidated being at this place because all these people had amazing jobs. They worked for corporate companies. And when I was there, I felt a little intimidated. Like they were asking me, what are you working on? What do you do? And I told them and they were just kind of like, oh, okay, like that's cute. And then last year we got invited to speak there for the first time. And I went to college and I never really felt like I excelled at academics. I always really felt like I wanted to work and that I knew that the things that I was going to learn, I was only going to learn actually doing the job or having an internship or having this real life practice. And so to be invited the first time to speak was just like a dream come true. I had my mom with me and my mom was like, I immigrated here from Vietnam. Like I could have only hoped to like be here one day for something. And the fact that my daughter's speaking here, it was so special to have her there with me. So to be invited to come back again, and I'm actually speaking twice with Lauren, my co-founder, it's just like such a blessing and 
honestly like really surreal. I could have never afforded or got into something like Harvard Business School. I just didn't have the education or the background that would have allowed me to get there. So the fact that they see there's value in something that we're doing that we can teach their students is such an honor to be there. There's a bunch of speakers that day and we are the keynote speakers. And then another day we're speaking to a smaller group. It's such an honor to go. I am so excited. I I can't wait to like follow up and tell you guys a little bit more, but it's such a proud moment. And so just know I would have never been able to get into Harvard Business School and now I have a business and I'm speaking to these students. And so never feel intimidated if somebody went to a different school than you or they have a different background. Jake and I talk about it in this episode. He's even like, I like to hire people who have never had a job before. This is their first internship and you learn so much on the job. And so there's so many different career paths to follow. And yes, I did go to college, but I didn't go to a business school and I learned so many things just on the job. And it's such a proud moment for me and my family and the company. And so I just can't believe it. And sometimes I just feel like Elle Woods when I'm there. Like the first time when I went for the class, I was just like, what am I doing here? Is this real life? And now to be invited to speak back. Anyway, so that's what's happening. That's my life update for now. If you guys are new to the podcast, be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because I have new episodes every Tuesday. I have such an amazing network of friends and peers and solo episodes where I share things that I hope help you and inspire you in some way. And if you're loving the podcast, either send this to a friend that you think might like it or leave me a five-star rating and review because it helps the show so much. Now let's hear from Jake. So how did you get into interior design? So I have always been obsessed with interiors since I was about six years old. I used to move around my room probably every other day and I would go to friends' houses and my parents would get a phone call that I had broken something at their house because I was just always moving things that we couldn't carry. And I just loved being in people's houses growing up. And I actually went to study business and economics at university. And I didn't realize that interior design was a real industry until I did an internship in LA when I was 21. I reached out to someone on Twitter randomly and asked them if I could come for the summer to do an internship. And when I came to LA, and it was my first time coming here, they fully took me under their wing, showed me this whole world that I didn't know about. And so I kind of came over here with zero experience and other than obviously being passionate and loving design and the rest is history really. Yeah, I think for a lot of people that want to follow career path like yours, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like how does one even go and start this career because luckily you were able to find somebody, but I imagine it's maybe a little bit different now. I don't I don't yeah. really actually know how this career works. Yeah, I think What's interesting about this business is that I think there's so many non-linear entry points. I think honestly, like a lot of industries now, it becomes a lot more linear. And I think you're either somebody that is seeking opportunities and you're more willing to take risks, meaning that I think when you take that path, you don't necessarily have to have the credentials, but more so just put yourself in situations where you are taking risks and cold calling and reaching out, I think still very much is a huge part of the business. And then the other side, I think, is going to school and having technical skills that are really adding value to like a potential employer. So if someone comes to me either on an intern level They kind of start with zero background, zero credentials, 
from school. And a lot of those times, a lot of people can actually succeed very fast because I think you just jump into the deep end. And it's really a job about getting things done and being a people person, honestly, at the beginning. And then people who I hire who also have incredible background and technical skills. So I think picking, depending on your personality type and background, it's very open to to all different setups. But I think the the biggest thing is that you've got to start somewhere. And sometimes that might not necessarily be a nine to five role with the best salary or or hours. But I think that's the only way that you really dive into this business and kind of get exposure to it, honestly. I think people probably have this misconception too of what a designer's job is actually like, because I think it's probably a lot less glamorous behind the scenes. And the actual install and styling of a place is such a small part of what you do. And I think because of the background that you had and what you went to school for, it gives you a unique perspective because a lot of creatives sometimes don't understand the business side. But since you did go to school for that, even though that's not what you ended up doing, I feel like it's really helped you so far in your career. Definitely. I mean, I'm so grateful that I didn't have a design background, honestly, because I do think it can in some ways hinder you because being just creative, I think, in any creative field is not enough when you're running a business and trying to understand that there are timelines, budgets, and also so many other factors that come into play, specifically working with all different types of people from clients to vendors to contractors and architects. And so I think having a business background has been incredibly helpful just to see the big picture, honestly. And I think that's what's hard when people start as I think you're right, it does look very glamorous, but that's such a small percent of the job. I wish it was more, but it's re- <laughs> it's really like such a small percent of time. And that's what's kind of amazing is like, all of the elements and people involved behind the scenes to create something that's beautiful and amazing, we make it look a lot easier than I think it actually is. It's so challenging. I think there's so many people that you have to deal with too, either on the client side or on the vendor side. And there's so many like moving pieces. And I even think for myself, like each little thing I have in my home from like a light to a curtain to a desk, it's all different people and so many moving timelines. And it's such a, it's such a process. And I like give kudos to you because you're like project manager, you're budgeting, you're Mm. dealing with people and Mm. something, so much of it's, I think, out of your control too. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like so much is out of our control because we really act as a middleman in so many of those relationships. And I think someone like you, who is such an incredible like visionary and entrepreneur to understand kind of the back end of things when I have clients who are in similar fields to you, like it definitely helps that conversation because you're on the same page and kind of understand that nothing happens overnight and there are so many moving pieces. So I think a huge part of any, whether you're doing a project on your own or a designer working for a client is having that education part of the conversation at the beginning to really understand and have expectations that I think are more so realistic because you're really basically building a prototype of something without having the time to prototype it. So it's in real time creating something from nothing without the process that I'm sure you have when creating products and and being able to test things before they actually go to market, we have that added pressure of it having to be right the first time. 
Yeah. And then I think there's so much pressure because it's someone's home. And so they like really care about it a lot. And I think when you're buying like a fashion item, you might think like, okay, I'm going to wear this for a little bit of time or a year or two or however long. But when it's your home, you're really thinking about investing in pieces that you hope to have in your space for a long time. So I feel like it's it's very emotional for the client side. Mm. And it's expensive, by the way. It's like it's, it's very you're not, expensive. Yeah. Like you, it's an expensive mistake when something doesn't go the way it and by the way I think even when you are so planned and precise things do happen outside of your control and it's it's definitely there's a more lot logistics involved than I think fashion and beauty when making purchasing decisions and understanding dimensions proportion and scale and I think that's the biggest misconception that I think people forget that a big part of the process is really the technical side of things which is challenging honestly Support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. This is the perfect timing because honestly, winter is right around the corner and my wardrobe, it just felt like I needed a little bit of a refresh. I love their brand. And if you don't know about it, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through. Their staples make getting dressed easier than ever before. So think of it as minimalist and effortless, but it's totally refined. They have luxurious cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories to elevated versions of your everyday basics, and not to mention the most incredible home essentials too. I actually have their plates at home. I have some cups. And whenever I post one of their cups, you guys are like, where did you get that from? It's from Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane is here to help you live your best holiday season yet. And for a limited time, our listeners get 15% off their first order. So go to JennyKane.com and use the code Mariana to get 15% off. If you've seen some Instagram pictures lately, I've been wearing one of their sweaters so much. I took it with me to Paris and it's really an it item. It's their Flynn cashmere sweater and it's a perfect wear with anything v-neck. And the cashmere half zip is such a cool everyday staples and they have so many shades. And Jenny Kane really believes in the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design so you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. And since this episode is all about interior design, they have a stunning collection of home essentials. They've got timeless furniture pieces, cozy throws, and perfectly curated decor. So give yourself and your loved ones the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code Mariana at JennyKane.com. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com and use code Mariana. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. You guys already know that I love Skims and it all started with their Fits Everybody collection. It's the butteriest underwear ever. So I always want to try more from the brand. And if you've seen their cotton loungewear collection, you just really have to try this. And it does not disappoint. It is the cutest, most flattering sets. And I'll either wear them in or out of the house. Skims is the next generation of loungewear for everybody. They have so many things that I love and the cotton t-shirt from Skims is really one of the best t-shirts I have ever owned. I'm really picky about the fits of my t-shirt and it really just layers so well under different things if I want to wear it under a blazer, a sweater, or a jacket. So the search for the perfect t-shirt is over. I also love a turtleneck as a basic to wear kind of under anything when I go into fall and winter, especially as it gets a little bit colder, but it also just looks so chic. Their long sleeve turtleneck is a favorite of mine and it's $56 and comes in so many colors. I also really love the cotton rib thong, the cotton rib tank, and the briefs are so comfortable. This is Skim's most tag collection and it's made with a cotton classic fabric for comfortable everyday wear. It's made from ultra soft and natural fibers and the cotton collection features elevated lounge pieces designed for comfort indoors and outside. So whoever said loungewear was only for the house has not tried Skims, available in sizes XXS to 4X. So believe the hype, Skims has over 100,000 five-star reviews for a reason. The cotton collection and more are available now at skims.com. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you after you placed your order, select podcast in the survey and select Life with Mariana in the drop-down menu that follows. And if you miss the big news, Skims reinvented underwear for women and they are now doing it for men also available at skims.com 
what I love about your work is that you have such a clear style. Like when I see a picture, I know that it's yours. Like when you post things, like even though you make each client's place look unique to them, they're hiring for you because they love your style. How did you figure out what your design style was and how has it evolved? I think it's a really good question. I think for a lot of designers, we always try to stay clear of like having one fixed aesthetic. But I do think that I found almost the common thread with all of our projects that no matter what the context of the house is or the client is, my kind of philosophy really stems from creating a space that's comfortable yet impactful. So that's always been my kind of mission statement is like how to I create something that's super livable, timeless and classic, but it still makes you think and is inspiring to be around and gives you that incredible like joy that design can bring into your life. So that really is what I've learned to be more comfortable with over time is leaning into a little more freedom and not being so regimented by just an aesthetic, but really understanding how people live has really evolved for me and and working with so many different types of clients has given me kind of the exposure to how many different types of people use their space. And then stylistically, I think I'm always drawn to very warm palettes, but it's definitely evolved, I would say, in the last few years of really leaning more into vintage antiques and more historical references I think it's like the tried and true. I always look to history of what's been and and how to create something that feels fresh and new while kind of drawing on more like historical or timeless details for sure. And I think with social, it's given all of us like a little bit more inspiration to invest in our homes and whether you're someone who's hiring an expert or you want to do it yourself. I love this platform that you created because I think it's a way to work with your favorite people Mm. in any way. So for people that don't know, explain to us a little bit about what the expert is. So the expert was really born out of a need where I think a lot of people have these burning questions in their home and don't necessarily want to hire or can hire a designer geographically or financially. And so the idea came about with my business partner and I, Leo Siegel, where we realized that having a one-on-one video consultation platform with the top designers around the world was really a way of like solving this issue and also just giving people access to really high design where I think a lot of people now approach their projects really taking on the logistics themselves and all of the heavy lifting and just want to have a designer's perspective point of view and advice and we really create the blueprint so when you go on the expert site there's a lot of different designers that we've carefully curated that have different aesthetics and sensibilities all around the world. And so you're really able to choose to work with someone based really on the design style that you're drawn to, and then also work with someone that maybe you've been following or that you've been obsessed with and haven't necessarily had access to. And so it just gives that kind of personal, direct contact with a lot of designers. And it's just so much fun. I mean, I'm on the platform myself and it's so fun talking to everyone around, honestly, the world and not just the country of like seeing what people struggle with. And then just in 55 minutes, we're able to design kitchens, bathrooms from construction to furnishings, to lighting, to paint colors, you name it. 
all the designers on the platform are really well versed at all of these details. And I think it's just a, a fun, different way to approach design through the lens of like some of the people that you might follow and, and love their work. I love that you're bringing this to people because when I was growing up, like one of the things I told myself that I wanted one day, like I would work towards was like, all I want is to be able to afford to have a designer, like do my place one day. Mm. And in the times when I was in a smaller apartment or was something like that, I wish I could have had something like this instead of trying to throw a room together. And like you were saying dimensions and scale earlier. Mm. I definitely did not understand that. <laughs> I used to end up with couches that were like way too big for my room, things that were too short, too tall. And now I'm like, I'm learning from others. Totally. Well, I think that was the biggest driving force is that I think some people might be surprised by the price, even though it is we try to keep it very attainable. And there's a, there's a kind of spectrum of different price points. I think what's important to realize is that there are so many mistakes that you can make, like I mentioned before, that it cost a lot of money, whether you're buying a sofa that's not returnable or you have something made specifically the time that you spend with the designers that we have on the platform are really going to guide you and give the blueprint of what works and what doesn't and gets very specific with the proportion and scale. So hopefully saves you. I mean, we've had some calls with some um, clients who have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in construction by not building the wrong dimensions of a shower or a tub or kitchen cabinetry. And so I think it's so helpful with those specifics for sure and it's and it's collaborative as well so if you are someone who has a really strong vision but you want to understand how to bring it to light it's also really helpful and and one thing i wanted to mention that i get a lot of calls about and some of our other designers do too is people who are going into interior design as a career choice is we really do help people in their career and business building in interior design and give advice kind of on how the business is run. And a lot of people, I think, have been using the platform for that also. I love that. And you have so many great people on there. So that's no surprise that people are looking up to people for for mentorship or advice. Because like I asked earlier, I was like, I don't even know how you would even begin in this industry. Yeah, definitely. I think, And, and I think the answer to that is there's so many responses and everyone has a different story. And I always tell people it's it's all personal. Like there is no... I think there is no path that can be replicated because today's age with social media and people building out their platforms, it's so much more than just going to school. And if people are trying to figure out their own interior design style, where can we start? Or do you have any exercises that are helpful mm. for people figuring this out? Because I think sometimes what happens is we see too many pictures on Pinterest or Instagram mm. and we start like gravitating so much into something that maybe isn't our style or we're, we all become obsessed with the same thing and then it becomes overdone? Well, I think that's, it's like the blessing and the curse of social media. It's so good for access, but it also can be overwhelming with how much you're consuming. And so what I even do with clients is I'll gather any imagery or materials or anything, or I'll even ask people, what is your favorite hotel or restaurant in the world? And then that gives me a starting point of just understanding what they're drawn to. And then from all of those images is then breaking down maybe one sentence of what it is about that space that you like. So because from just like I would say superficially, a lot of images that people collect may not work in the same world. But I think it's about understanding why people are drawn to certain images, whether it's the color palette, the lighting, the scale, the flooring specifics in the image whether it's the furniture or the materials 
on the cabinet tree or the flooring and just really dissecting and understanding what it is about those images. And then that hopefully gives you a direction to then edit and understand that, okay, so for the next phase of really dialing in what someone's style or aesthetic is or direction for the project, it's just having those 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 touch points. And like I said earlier, I think creating a mission statement like you would in a business, it's like, okay, this project, I want it to be like incredibly cozy, calm, functional, great to entertain, whatever that may be. And then taking all those elements of how you want to feel or use the space with some of these kind of materials and details that you've pulled out from your reference imagery. And that should hopefully formulate some type of like mission statement for the house and and kind of dial in so that every time you're making a decision, does that light fixture or that stone material or that plumbing fixture, does that fall in to the narrative that you've created? And if it doesn't, then I think it's your easy way of, of being able to edit. I think what people find a hard time with is like, their physical space, like whatever the home or apartment or condo looks like, doesn't go with the design style that they're hoping to do. Like sometimes they clash with each other. So how can you either change your space to fit it more or adjust your design style to fit the space that you're living in, especially if you can't change a lot of things? Yeah, I think I think that's a huge element when starting is like, what is the context? Like, what is the space itself? And, and what are the limitations? And I think I can argue both ways. I think a lot of times, especially if something's historic and does have beautiful architectural details, which is more seldom, is I think that that's an opportunity to lean in to the context. And then in other situations where maybe you don't love the floors, you don't love the windows and you're renting something, is just thinking about how you want to spend your money too and how you're going to get the biggest impact. And a huge part of of making those aesthetic decisions is what it, what am I spending my money on, really? Because everything is 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 so expensive. So I think paint is obviously the number one quick fix where you can transform a context, whether you wanted to add plaster or a texture to a wall that maybe the context of that space wouldn't necessarily have started that way. I think it's actually okay to kind of, especially if you live in a major city or if you're in New York or in a small condo or apartment that doesn't have any details and you're trying to create an escape, that's an opportunity where I think you can really start incorporating elements of a space that feels, so for example, if you want a space that feels calm and is a respite from a busy city, then adding plaster walls and like beautiful sheer drapery on a window is a perfect way to spend your money and get the highest impact even if it is a rental, because I do think that then anything else you put in that space can be more edited. The problem is, is fighting too much, which is too many details and actually taking away some some elements in a space, I think is the starting point. I love the example of plaster paint and curtains. What are some of these other like cheaper or less expensive options that we could do to really change up a space? Yeah. So I think Outside of pain, I think changing a space, a huge element is rugs. I think any anything that is covering a larger surface area, especially if you don't love your flooring, doing a beautiful jute or natural sisal rug, which is so inexpensive and affordable. You can find ones on Amazon, honestly. And there is so many options. And just simply getting a rug as big as possible to cover most of the flooring 
is an easy way of just transforming a space. And I think even drapery, I think if even if you were on a budget, I think either you can buy incredible linen panels. There's so many great vendors on Etsy. And also I find IKEA honestly has really evolved their drapery and then just maybe spending a little more money on the hardware is just easy ways because I do think drapes are the biggest impact in any space because it's it's really the tallest vertical in any room. So that I think is key. And then the biggest thing, which I think everyone should do is go to Home Depot and get a dimmer switch for your lights because it doesn't matter what the context is. I can guarantee you if you add a dimmer and add lamps, you're already going to create a vibe in the space with very little work. I love like whenever I see you post on Instagram about lighting and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to stop this overhead lighting like or like sconces and like other things because like once the sun starts setting, I like to dim everything. Like I don't like any overhead lights on. Like I like very, and it really makes such a big difference. Yeah. Uh, There was that funny thing that went viral on TikTok. I think it was like a voiceover of like people never turning on the big light in the room. And I think it's so true that every time you go to someone's house for dinner or to hang out, lighting is everything and that is something that's super attainable and even if you don't want to add a dimmer just buying floor lamps table lamps and even a plug-in sconce if you're renting and you don't want to do any electrical work having accent lighting is the way which a space i think really comes alive and sometimes can get overlooked you talked about rugs a minute ago and i need to know some rug rules so when you're placing a rug underneath a bed well, how are the dimensions supposed to be mm. because a lot of times i'm looking at sizes and i'm like okay i don't know what size it's supposed to be and then i never know if it's supposed to go like horizontal or vertical mm. does it go on the entire bed only half the bed great question <laughs> many answers to it one i would always say that the rug when you're facing a bed is always going horizontally and I typically keep it around like six, five to six inches from the nightstands. I'll start the rug and then I will have the rug come out maybe like an additional foot from the end of the bed. I would say standard from a queen to a king. You're looking at anything from an eight by 10 to a nine by 12, obviously depending on the size of the room. But I think you want to make sure that your nightstands are included in the overall width of the rug. So when you're looking at the bed, the entire bed is on the rug other than just in front of the nightstands. And then the width of where the nightstands fall, maybe there's an additional like half, like a foot or half a foot outside of the nightstands, depending on the size of the room. But the the rugs for me is in living room specifically is as much furniture as you can get on the rug, the better. And I would say I typically keep off like a console or a credenza that might be under a TV is not on the rug, but all of the seating, I like to keep all on a rug because it really does anchor the space. Okay, so sofa fully on the rug, because right now I'm looking at my living room and like half of it is off. And I think the rug that I have is too small. Yeah, I mean, I look, there's you can do half on half off. Personally, I like it all on because I do think it grounds the space a lot more. I like to have it at least a few inches even behind the sofa, because I think if you're in an open plan space, it's the perfect way of anchoring. And even if you're on a living room that's separate, I think it just creates a cozier space and and bigger the better I would always say if you're in doubt yeah and that's what I like about your spaces is that it's cozy and livable and I think we went through this phase 
not that long ago where everyone wanted like cream neutral light and it became to look like so stark and cold Mm. and not livable. And I love your use of like colors and materials. So if we wanted to start adding different colors, like I love your use of green and browns, like how can we add color in if it seems overwhelming or scary or you don't want to invest in something that's so expensive just in case Mm. you might not like it? Yeah, I think it's a a great kind of way to really create dimension in the space is adding moments. I really like to stay clear of the term pop of color because it feels like an afterthought to me in a space. So I, I try and stay away from just having pillows or little accessories have the color because I do think that it can feel something that was almost last minute. So the way that I like to bring in color is either through light fixtures. So whether you have lamp shades are a great way of adding some color which is really risk-free like a pillow but I think it has more impact and then I also think if there's an accent chair in the room the whole chair may be taking a little bit more of a risk and leaning into color and you can do something like in a burnt orange or a beautiful dark green or a sage green or like a or a dusty pink or something that's still neutral but does add a little bit of color I think in an accent chair is is a really nice way of doing that or an ottoman, I think can be really interesting because honestly, to your point, you don't want to put so much investment into a big, big pieces because you may after a year kind of be sick of it and, and want to recover. But I think going a little further than just pillows is 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 kind of my advice. I know. I think like my next thing is I really want to get a sofa like that's a color. I'm like, I think I'm like ready to invest in this next thing for myself because right now it's like very like neutral and I have like little touches of things, but I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to yeah, take the next step. Definitely. But, but, and I think to that point, if you've invested in a really good sofa that you love, that's comfortable, you can always reupholster it, especially if it's slip cover or create ways. Like I have in certain projects I've worked on, we've created different sets of slip covers for different seasons. So some people want a darker sofa in the winter or a lighter fabric in in the summer. So I think there's ways of doing it that can be economical as long as you're keeping a sofa that has a good frame that you can evolve with as you move or if you want to change things up. I think it's worth taking that risk. You guys know that I am smoothie obsessed and I'm always trying to incorporate it into my day just so I make sure I get enough protein and I have been working out with a trainer recently. I started adding strength training and I know how important it is, but I know a lot of times when you try them, they might taste a little bit chalky. Well, I've fallen in love with a new protein powder and usually I find that protein powder has that chalky aftertaste, but Clean Simple Eats is so different. It's so creamy and smooth and has absolutely zero chalkiness, you guys, and their peanut butter chocolate flavor is so amazing because it tastes like dessert. It's the most delicious protein ever and I usually drink it in the morning with something blended like an almond milk, spinach, and a little bit of ice or avocado, or add it into a shake. They have 26 delicious all-natural flavors, and you really can't go wrong with any of them, but they also have unique flavors like German chocolate cake, coconut cream, and chocolate peanut butter. One of the things that I love about Clean Simple Eats is their high-ingredient standards. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested, non-GMO, and gluten-free. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use code Mariana at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com, code Mariana for 20% off your first order. It's time to refresh our wardrobes for fall and winter. And if you want to shake things up this season, Macy's has everything you need from blue coats to green handbags or highly pigmented beauty favorites. 
One of my favorite colors for this season is red, and I've been trying to find different ways to incorporate it into my style. A really simple way to add red into your wardrobe is something like a red sock or a red pair of tights. If you want to go something a little bit more bold, an item that I've been layering with other stuff is a red button-up cardigan. I love incorporating this into small elements, especially because I usually dress pretty neutral. I want to add in like little pops of color, but if you're feeling a little bit more low-key, check out their warm winter neutrals like muted dresses and sweaters. If you're looking for all the inspo and must-haves you need right now, visit Macy's.com slash ownyourstyle. And if you need a little bit of help finding your style footing, pair up with a personal stylist. They'll help you put your look together either in-store or from the comfort of your home. And best of all, it's totally free. So head on over to Macy's.com slash personal stylist to book your appointment today. So what are some of the other things that you think we should really invest on in the home? Like for me, it's like my bedroom and my living room because I spend the most of my time there. So those were two areas that I wanted to invest in. Yeah, I mean, I think the bedroom, a good quality bed frame is very much like the biggest investment because I do think the bedroom is really like how I design. It's really about how do you improve your lifestyle? So where you sleep. And where you eat is obviously the primary use of any space. So in the bedroom, really having a bed that's very comfortable. I always, I would say 99% of the time will always pick an upholstered bed because I do think it's immediately a lot more comfortable. And I think, again, something where a lot of people maybe don't spend as much money, but I do think it's worthwhile is like your nightstands because I do think that nightstands are both a form of storage, but again, also anchor your bed. And I think a lot of times the scale of nightstands that tend to be available from most retailers are very small in scale. So a big thing that while I was designing our Crate and Barrel collection is we we designed a pair of nightstands that were a little bigger in scale and felt a little more like they could anchor a bedroom. And so there's ways to spend money without it being kind of crazy and but also like understanding that your bed and your nightstands are the key and you can spend a lot less money on a rug or lamps but I think it really depends on where you're spending your most time so outside of the bedroom I think again living room a comfortable sofa and I think people argue with this because obviously when you move houses you might need a different size sofa and so like spending too much money on one on one piece might be redundant as you kind of evolve and, and move. So I still think comfort is key on the sofa, whether or not you're spending a fortune or not. But I think just making sure that along the way, spending on maybe vintage pieces, whether it's accent tables, interesting ottomans, candlesticks, all those accessories that you can always own and collect over time, I think just makes a huge difference and adds soul to any space. I know. I love like even looking and shopping and like when I'm traveling, especially because it feels like instead of just grabbing something from a store online, there's like a memory that's tied to these pieces mm. that I'm looking at every day in my home. So I try to think of that too when I travel now and see if I can ship something home. Definitely. Well, I think that's the whole thing. It's like ultimately like your house should always evolve. So whether you've tried, like you said, like if you're traveling somewhere, you want to be able to bring back that cool bowl or like little dish that you can th- like add into any like your coffee table and it doesn't feel out of place but it actually feels collected and truly the best design is over time and always allowing that 10 percent, even when you finish your own project or if you're working with a designer is that just allow yourself to find really special one-of-a-kind things that do bring back 
memories or, or like give you a really great story with some of the things that you own. One of the big things that people invest on when working with someone is renovations and things that they do to change the home. What are the things that you think add the biggest value for people to invest in if they're looking to maybe move or sell their home mm. eventually in time? Well, I think flooring is, is the most important thing because it is the base of every single thing. And I think whether it's refinishing a flooring that's existing or replacing, you're going to get the most value in any space because it allows you to do less work with the furniture. And then I also think things like hardware and cabinetry makes such a difference. It's a low price point of something to change. And same thing with plumbing fixtures. Anything that you're touching every day and using as a function is where I like to spend money because that's where you're getting the most tangible experience with a lot of those finishes when when doing a remodel. And those are the little details that I do think that sometimes go unnoticed. And you mentioned your Crate and Barrel collection. What are some of the pieces that we can find to shop there? Well, what's cool is we've done a lot of categories from dining to bedroom. And I, I mean, I think some of the things that I love in the collection is our bed has storage underneath it, which is Ooh. really great for a small space. So we have a huge storage drawer that you can put tons of like, whether it's big winter coats or things that you don't need all the time in that area, which I love. And then a lot of our accent chairs. I think sometimes the price point of finding an accent chair that's both comfortable and has an impact stylistically. So we have a few, like three really great occasional chairs. And also the nightstands, like I said, I think finding good nightstands are so challenging and there's just some great pieces. And we spent a lot of time on all of the finishes of the wood and the metal because that's such a hard part of buying something online is really trusting what the material or the finish and so the quality at the price point I think they did a really good job of executing it and and hopefully there's something for everyone. Yeah, the collection on Crate and Barrel is really great. And you mentioned shopping for vintage pieces. So if people are looking for vintage or special items, do you have any favorite like online retailers or where people can start looking? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we also just launched this year on the expert. We actually have a showroom where it's e-commerce and it's all vintage and new from all we just actually launched tabletop today. So it's a great place to find beautiful tabletop pieces, vintage lighting, chairs. We've really, it's a collection of all of, of, like a lot of the designers on the platform have helped curate and bring all of our favorite pieces. So it's, that was the biggest thing is that every time people ask me, where do you find all your favorite things? There's a million websites and it's very overwhelming. So we've kind of consolidated it all on the expert showroom. And then of course I use first dibs, cherish. And do you know what I've recently found for people that is even searching for product on Pinterest is sometimes one of the best ways to find product because it can take you really, you can go in a deep pinhole of finding these incredible vendors. But I, but I think it's overwhelming for a lot of people sometimes, but I like to source based on material. So if you're looking for something that's brass or rattan or mirrored, I think just thinking about your materials that you're drawn to as part of your search engine experience helps, I think, narrow down what's out there. It is the most amazing thing on Pinterest. I think people don't even realize you can do this. So if you screenshot a picture or you have a picture saved, you can just upload it on Pinterest and then hit shop and it'll find you similar items and it makes searching for things. I've like done this with lights. I've done this with pillows. It's like the best, whatever is going on with their app. I'm like, you guys are doing a great job with this. 
hundred percent. It's actually kind of incredible how it's like evolved, evolved with like finding. And then the next time you log on, all of a sudden it's got like, I'm kind of scared that people are listening to what we're saying, which is why, <laughs> which is why they're so good at it. But it is, it's a great resource. Okay. So with the clients that you're working on right now, projects you're working on, are there any, I know you're not like trendy, but there are the, any things that you're seeing that's in common or things that people are wanting in their homes right now? Do you know what I do see a lot of recently, which I am a fan of, but it's using, I would say, motifs that would typically be more beach driven. So whether it's like scalloping or shell related pieces or woven rattan bamboo, like I'm seeing a lot of that, which I am a big fan of, because I do think that adds a really nice kind of textural moment. So whether or not that's trendy, I do love and have kind of been looking at a lot of that kind of 1940s French silhouette, which is a little more whimsical. And I think there's a time, I think there's a place, like I think finding an element that's current, I would say versus trend is there's nothing wrong with that as long as you use it in smaller parts of any space. I think it's completely fine. I love the home that you did in Florida, like the uses of materials and colors. And I like that it was somewhere, it was a home that I could imagine other places, but it fit in so well for where they were. And I love that it was your style mixed with the location and the home. And like every picture I'm like saving of it because it was so good. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun to like do something different because when we started a project in Florida, the reference point of like something that was traditionally Palm Beach style, which I love or something that feels like too on the nose was it's finding that that refinement, but still having it have those little touch points that do feel specific to the context, which is why I love doing projects, honestly, out of state, is it's like a fun opportunity to do something different. I feel like you do many different things. I feel like you've got the <laughs> expert, you're a designer, you have Crate and Barrel, you have a book. How do you manage doing all of this because I know what it's like to be busy but I feel like it's like on another level with you well I was going to ask you the same thing I need your tips and tricks but I I mean I'm such a self-helper if that's the word but I definitely have a lot of practices and rituals from meditation is like a non-negotiable for me every day just to be able to get into the mindset of having some creative flow and I like to do I do everything from IVs to energy work to therapy to journaling like everything that's cliche I do and so the jury's out if it's fully working but I'm still (laughs) trying to get through all of it but I mean how do you handle everything you have going on it's like crazy it's like I mean this morning I try my best to do my full morning routine every morning it's like meditation too it's like I really try to have that time for myself. I am someone who's very affected by my surroundings and my space. And so Mm. my time in the morning in my living room, I usually am up before the sun is out, but like I sit in the living room, the sun is coming up. I sit by my window. I have my matcha. Like I really have and enjoy that quiet morning because Mm. once I start, it kind of doesn't stop until the end of my day stops. So I Mm. just really try to enjoy that time for myself. And then I kind of split my days by type of work which it doesn't always work that way, but I try my best to have like summer Fridays, like Mm. meetings and calls are always on this day. Like if I'm recording for the podcast or something, that's on another day because so many people I've interviewed on the podcast are wear many hats across many different things. And like one day is a creative day, another day is an admin Mm. day. And there's something to allowing yourself one type of work per day. And then I think also because you and I and many people, we're creative, but we're also business people. So I need to allow myself time in my schedule to just 
be creative and I can't force it, but if I, I at least allow myself time to do that, I don't mm. feel like I'm just trying to be creative because I have to pull something up right now. Like I just give myself a block of time where I can scroll on Pinterest or I can walk around a hotel or be inspired some way. And like, for me, I'm so inspired by travel and like what you were saying about like photographing spaces, like what's your favorite hotels and restaurants? Like I take so many pictures of places I go Mm -hmm. and there's elements of places I see that I really love. I do that as well with the the day blocks of, of what the focus is, is such a great way to be productive and to be honest with you yesterday I took the entire day off and I will allow myself a full mental and physical health day of literally just laying in bed with no screen time that's like I I do that it's so necessary it really is like for us we have summer Fridays hours in the summer and like every like it's half days on Fridays and it's so nice to allow yourself time in the schedule because it kind of on the weekend you're running errands and you're doing things that it feels like the, the weekend goes by so fast so I wish I could have summer Fridays all year but I try. And by the way it's in the brand name it's like you guys have to have summer Fridays <laughs> I know when we started we had the summer Fridays hours and it was like it's actually so nice for everybody because then it's like okay after 12 o'clock like you just can have a jump start on your weekend and I really loved it yeah no I think it's so key And then when you are thinking about homes too, like we just talked about meditating and wellness, like, do you like to think of like having these moments of like solitude within the home? Like, do you try to like build these out for people now too? Do you, have you noticed people are doing that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say bigger picture, like I always say that when I'm designing a house, it's really to create an environment that people can have incredible conversations, spend time with their family and their friends. Like that's really what my job is, is to set the backdrop for people's lives so it's not to compete with it but it to support people's busy schedules family time friends time entertainment and so that's like my kind of philosophy across the board but in terms of creating spaces that are more indicative of like meditation spa rituals i definitely consider that when designing bathrooms specifically also just like making sure there is a room that or a space whether in an apartment or a home that you can have a zone dedicated because I don't know about you, but that's how I'm able to meditate every day is I have an assigned chair that I will meditate on so that I know in that space I'm creating an environment that can allow you to, to, to kind of meditate and take a, take a second. And so when designing, I always try to create those moments for people. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I feel like everyone needs to go on the expert and find somebody because it's such a great investment into your home. And like for me, investing in my home with a space that I'm in every day, especially if you're somebody who works from home or you're like me and infected by your environments, it's such a great investment, not only for your physical space, but like how you really feel. And so thank you for all the work you're doing and always keeping me inspired with everything that you post and share. And I can't wait to see all the projects that you do in the future. Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for being such an inspiration and a trailblazer and entrepreneur and doing it seemingly so calm. So I really appreciate (laughs) that. And thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.